Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, CM Punk gets squashed. Johnny Gargano makes his big return. NXT was pretty good, and the Hunter Hearst Helmsley era continues to improve that and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Damn, I guess that motherfucker did get squashed, though. Squash. <laughs> Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Marks, and welcome to the Band from Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. John Squashley. <laughs> and sitting to my, sitting directly in front of me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Yeah, I was about to say, one word, one week was the word quit. This week is probably the word squash, because I think we're going to hear a lot of that. And on that level, we know. Let me allow the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band for Ring Kai podcast, volume 271, chapter 3, verse 14. And the good smart saying, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. It seems like every week I'm like, you know, this is the week where it's going to be a little calm. And then, of course, you know, TK decides he wants to put up a world title match to unify their uh, world title, so obviously we will talk about that. Uh, this feels like a week of almost bringing Tubeer back to the WWE fold because his hero came back on Monday night, and I saw him walk out, and I'm like, man, if Tubeer's watching this shit live, he's probably having a minor orgasm in his house. And uh, here to tell us about his orgasm out there in <laughs> Portland, orgasm, we have two ears, Zach Poland. What's going on, Tubeer? BFR West is in the house. Uh, another day, gotta give him hell, burn him straight through the dark. This rebel heart, this rebel heart. <laughs> but uh, it is a good week of wrestling. Uh, bad week personally. My whole family has COVID. I'm the only one in the house. No symptoms, no positive tests. So it's only a matter of time before I get five days off work to watch wrestling. So. uh We'll just see how that goes. Nice. We are coming at you from <laughs> Stormy, St. Charles, Missouri. It just, it just rained. I mean, it is Okada here. Because uh, like, <laughs> there was a rainmaker here because okay. it rained like a motherfucker. But it seems to have subsided <laughs> now. Hopefully, they'll shut the cicadas up. After we got some complaints a few weeks ago from Tender Mahal about the cicadas. God, it's like. I mean, There's no geez. Okada, but. There's a whole lot of dead Native Americans. So. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, that took five minutes. <laughs> we, I, I'm just kidding, Tender Mahal. We appreciate the feedback. Uh, so, like I just said. Just the microphone feedback of the cicadas. Oh, right. my God. That was really good. That was really good. Yeah. So, uh, without further ado, let's get on to that three count. JCB, kick it off. Going to do things a little differently because when Bill broke it down of how we wanted to do the one count or the three count, actually, it kind of makes more sense because Moxley and Punk deserve their own one count because of how things ended, where we're going to go, and speculation, yada, yada, yada. So let's talk about it. John Moxley, CM Punk for the unified Undisputed AEW Championship was not the main event on Wednesday Night Dynamite that started at the the top of the 8 o'clock hour-ish, give or take. So that might have been a cue because we're, we're all trying to figure out where it was going to start, okay? If it started like it did with 
uh, Danielson and Hangman at the very beginning, it probably was going to lead to something versus somewhere in the middle where it was going to lead down a different road. Well, this opened up the 8 o'clock hour, and it led down to a different road. CM Punk gets squashed by John Moxley. Moxley wins the Undisputed Championship. If it was five minutes, I would have been shocked if it was five. It was less than three and a half, I Okay, think. so this is squash territory. So like, we all saw it, so let's kind of break it down a little bit. Moxley gets kicked by a roundhouse by Punk, but Punk immediately goes down to sell the foot injury that he had diving into the crowd. Moxley takes over, wrenches the arm, wrenches the ankle, I'm sorry, a couple of death riders later, a look up, and he's flipping the crowd off, saying that, fuck you, I'm no longer the interim champion. He wins the match. I'm honestly stunned a little bit because I, I worked that night. I stayed off social media until I physically started to watch Dynamite. Um, nobody gave me an indication of what was going on, which is perfect. Thank you, everybody. I'm a little stunned. I mean, I'm, I don't have a problem with how they did it it makes sense to me when i was thinking about it the next segment i don't even remember what it was because i was still thinking about the punk moxley segment i was thinking like this felt like an mma or a boxing match ricky starks was the next segment i believe okay that probably sounds right um actually it was christian now that i'm looking at my notes ricky starks yeah yeah, yeah um it felt like mma it felt like conor mcgregor is one of the last MMA uh, matches I fought or saw, and he broke his leg or whatever, delivering a kick to – I can't think of his opponent. I, it's the guy who was talking shit on. I know that's not a, a very good description, but he ends up losing this match because – Was it Tank Abbott? No. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I'd, I'd love to see him talk shit to Tank Abbott. Um to me, it was the same thing. You know, it, it happened in the ring, and Moxley jumps all over it and takes advantage of it the way he should. No mercy. Totally get that. I'm fine with it. The one thing I will take away from this match is at the end when they're taking Punk away from the ring, and he kind of looks back towards the the ring, and he sees Punk – I'm sorry, he sees Moxley in the distance celebrating with fans and all that other good stuff. I know Bill said he was waiting for a heel turn for CM Punk. I don't think you'll have to wait too much longer. This was the seeds for a Punk Moxley heel turn in their feud. Now I'll let you guys decide whether or not we're going to do this again at All Out or not. My guess is no, but if they do it, they don't have much to build with and they don't need much to build with because you've already given us two weeks of a build in some form or fashion, a squash match. This time around, they come back in two weeks and do it. You'll get another match, but it would kind of not sell the CM Punk injury as well as I think you should, if that makes sense. So I'll let you guys decide where we go from here and talk about the squash match itself. Two beer, what you think? I loved it because, you know, the last couple of weeks I've talked about how boring it would be for Punk to just come back and win the title and then – this amazing job that Moxley's done as quote-unquote interim champion would kind of just go away. And this not only cements Mox as the star that he is, he's the first ever two-time AEW world champion. Uh, he's legitimately awesome at what he does. And it also complicates the story. And it adds like personal intrigue into, you know, CM Punk's character uh, into his, you know, ring character um 
you know, Moxley gets to cut an amazing promo afterwards, you know, speaking nothing but truth. He spoke nothing but truth last week either. You know, this is like the, the John Moxley that we all know and love. He speaks this truth because, uh, you know, what he says, like, legitimately happens. And it's awesome. Uh, so I do think that this will be the main event, mostly because they built it. They don't really have anything else, um, you know, to build in another week and a half. I mean, they could throw somebody in there. But I think this is just a way to cement John Moxley's reign because he's done a great job. It was a way to uh, have CM Punk lose, but also, like, you know, he's not – he didn't lose anything by it because, you know, he's selling this injury. And it's a way for CM Punk to get his win in Chicago, um, which is probably what's going to happen. Uh, so it was, this is more of a win uh, for that long reign that Moxley's had over the past, like, few months. It's not necessarily just a two-week reign. So uh, that's what I'm predicting. But, you know, a little spoiler alert for all-out predictions next week. But uh, that's what I see happening. Lots I liked of, it. Lots of predictions next week. We have uh, Worlds Collide and NXT. They're they're unifying the belt. We have uh, All Out, and we also have uh, Clash at the Castle. There, uh, uh, just a quick aside, with WWE doing pay-per-views, or I'm sorry, premium live events on Saturday, and then probably AEW staying on their Sunday uh, schedule with their pay-per-views, there's going to be weeks where we're going to do two, maybe three predictions on a show. That's going to get a little crazy. I'm kind of see. I'm interested to see how that works. But I was, I kind of tripped off the fact that WWE decided they wanted to do their shows on Saturdays, get ahead of AEW for us as the wrestling fans to talk about them on Saturday, and then if we need to talk about AEW on Sunday, you know, four or five times a year, we talk about them. Well, isn't Labor Day next weekend too? So them yes. doing it on Saturday is them trying to avoid people doing shit that Sunday night and whatever. If you um, leave, you're leaving. I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to. I'm hesitant to use the word that I want to use here when I think about booking this Moxley Punk match the way that they did. But I'm just gonna say it because it's a podcast. It's an audio medium. It's brilliant. Uh, the way that we were thinking about it, the way that everybody was talking about it was, oh, there's going to be some sort of schmoz, there's going to be some sort of bullshit, Hangman Page is going to come down, MJF is going to come down. And I didn't hear anybody call a squash. I didn't hear anybody say it. And this is one of those things that needs to happen sometimes in professional wrestling to keep guys like us on our toes and to keep us guessing as to what's going to happen. I mean, if you think like there's three, like if you include this one, I think about that Cody versus uh, Brody Lee match that mm. was a complete squash. I think about John Cena getting squashed by Brock Lesnar at mm. SummerSlam that one year, where Brock Lesnar gave him like twenty seven yeah, suplexes. Yeah, wow. And Goldberg squashing Brock Lesnar. I think about <laughs> Goldberg squashing Brock Lesnar. And these Come on, are dude, the, you didn't have to do that. But no, but that's true. It was a squash <laughs> and the, and these are big time matches that end very quickly. First of all, kayfabe style, kayfabe. this shit makes complete fucking sense. Yes. As Jason would say, make it make sense. John Moxley has been tearing through everybody, has been fighting every all these promotions, has been going through 
taking all comers, has been a fighting champion, and has not lost. CM Punk is, you know, seven years older than John Moxley, has is coming off of seven years of not working, is injured, is 43 years old, and probably came back too early. So in terms of kayfabe, it makes sense that Moxley runs through him. It makes complete sense. I had no spoilers. I stayed off of social media. I, I turned it on at 7 a.m. this morning, AEW Dynamite, when I started work, it's slow, slow part of my day. And when we got to it, when John Moxley started twisting his ankle after he started selling the ankle and then gave him the first Death Rider, I was like, oh. I was like, he's going to win right here, isn't he? Like, and that's not a bold prediction or anything because it was over right. 30 seconds later. That was the story they were telling. But I immediately got, like, kind of giddy. I was like, oh, that's really smart. Because especially after all the hubbub that went on last week about CM Punk going off script and CM Punk calling out Hangman Page and everybody thinking, first of all, I was surprised that the Cleveland crowd was – as pro CM Punk as they were. The crowd seemed 50-50 split. At the and start, that, yeah. And that is a marquee crowd. That Those are guys like us. And I figured that more people would have turned against CM Punk. I guess maybe I'm underestimating CM Punk's allure. Maybe there was a lot of guys that came from Chicago. Who knows? I don't know how far away Chicago is from Cleveland. but It's like four or five hours, something like that. But there are so many different ways that you can interpret this. You can interpret this as... It's just uh, solidifying Moxley as the dominant champ. It is telling the story that CM Punk came back too early. Maybe they saw that CM Punk did come back too early. Maybe maybe they made that decision on the fly last week. Maybe this was punishment by Tony Khan for CM Punk going off script and calling out one of his biggest stars. Maybe he got injured during the match at some time and they called it early. I don't think it was the last one. I like to think that Occam's Razor is this is furthering a storyline that Tony Khan has proved himself pretty adept at, which is, like Zach said, adding more intrigue to an already existing storyline and being able to pay dividends on it in the future. I do think that CM Punk is going to be in the title match at All Out, I do not think he's going to win. That is, I mean, just, I mean, that's the first time I've ever said that. It's the first time I've ever thought it, but it just seems too obvious, and Moxley is too over as a babyface, and it creates a story for CM Punk when he actually gets healthy to come back and start uh, wreaking havoc as a big-time heel. That's what I'd rather see versus doing a a second match in two weeks. Um, like I said, for me, if we're going to sell the injury, then he needs to be gone for a little bit. You know, even if it's a month, he need, he doesn't need to be coming back at all out, and then we run it back and God There's forbid. There's basically nobody that you can put in that match, though, except for CM Punk. Except for, I guess, maybe Hangman Page. That was going to be the next words out of my mouth is Hangman Page is – in position to where he could be the next guy up. Now, granted, it won't, wouldn't be against the guy that he lost the title to, but 
if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't gotten his contractual rematch yet. If it ends up being Hangman Page versus John Moxley in the main event at All Out, then the work is the shoot, and everything has come full circle, and we should all explode into pure energy. Uh, what do you think, Zach? <laughs> that sounds appropriate. That's, that's hilarious. Zach, what do you? I, I still think it's going to be Punk. I, I, I really do. And um, you think he's going to win in Chicago? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm fifty fifty on that. I'm leaning that because I think that was probably the original uh, plan, and I think this just this dynamite made that feel better. I mean, I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, I think, uh, you know, we're talking about MJF coming back too. I think doing that on this show and not not necessarily screwing CM Punk out of the title. Maybe he helped CM Punk win the title because he wants to take it off of Punk because he, he beat Punk multiple times, but he beat Moxley. I mean, if I was trying to fight one of those dudes, I would definitely fight CM Punk. The other thing Real that I, or shoot or Sure. The other thing that I want to say after I saw it, I went back and looked at friends of BFR and I went back and looked at Twitter I thought it was really smart that they started at 8 o'clock. I, at least Excalibur explained it away by saying, you know, it, there's an hour time limit, so we have to start now. And if not, we'll make it up. Now, they had already advertised Ricky Starks for later in the show, but, I mean, I can look past that. I just think that that's really smart booking. Uh, TK kind of did the same thing on Rampage when the Buddy Matthew, or a uh, different match, ran, oh, the Hook-Zach Clayton match ran really short. And then Excalibur did a great job of being like, well, we didn't think that that was going to, we thought that was going to last longer, but now Buddy Matthews is going to have an impromptu match against Ser- Serpentico. Uh, I think wrestled like he was double fought. <laughs> <laughs> Go to sleep, motherfucker. I, th- I, I thought that, I, I think that that's a really smart and adds to a bit of the realism. Like, we want it, like, we know that wrestling is scripted. We want it to be scripted more realistically, you know? Right. That, that's what we're looking for. And, uh, I I loved the squash. I I did. Well, I mean, we we're still talking about Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, fucking ten years down the road. Now, like we, we will remember this match because it was a squash. I remember the first things when they would pan to the crowd and people were like, you know, a gasp because this had happened so quickly. I wasn't that bad, but I was just like, damn, that's crazy. You know, they they went on ahead and did it this way. Now, apparently, Punk had to be talked into this, uh, and I read this on uh, Cage Side Seats this afternoon. Punk had to be talked into this finish. I can see why he had to be talked into it. I don't think it's because of him losing, but maybe just losing in the wrong wrong time, wrong place. You don't. Maybe he didn't want to do it on Dynamite. Losing it all out in Chicago is a much bigger venue. It's a much bigger stage. It might mean more. I don't think it's that. That's the case at all. Honestly, like I said, to me, this is one of those where I might not remember the city, but I'll remember where I was. I'll remember what happened, and you can never take that part away from me. So if this was Moxley's idea, I'll give him that. But it just leaves that open void for all out that we have right now. Maybe Jericho, uh, Brian Danielson is. It feels like it's the default main event. If you don't have Moxley Punk, Moxley uh, Hangman Page, 
or Moxley throw I'm just throwing the name out there, MJF, because you know, he's still circling around. He can come back at any point. If you don't have one of those three matches, Jericho Brian Danson is probably the next biggest match that you can make for the main event. And that and there's no disrespect to either one of those guys. You know, obviously great performers on certain people's hall, uh Mount Rushmore. That just doesn't feel like it's a the all out main event. It's not big enough. Zach, any final thoughts on this uh, title match? Not ruled definitely uh, memorable. I will point out uh, something that I saw someone on Twitter point out, that since it was Cleveland, not only was it close to Moxley's hometown of Cincinnati, but it's also the city where CM Punk walked out on WWE. It's the city where he got his first UFC loss, and now he just got squashed by Moxley in his return uh, for the AEW title. So... All the little chicks with the crimson lips go Cleveland Rocks, (laughs) CM Punk. I was going to say, fuck House of Torture. I was going to say, fuck House of Torture. I was going to say, that's the House of Horrors when it comes to CM Punk right there. God damn, I didn't know that shit. Let's not talk about House of Horrors. That just reminds me of that maggot match with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. Let's get to that two counts. One, two. Was that during the podcast? Yes, it was. Uh, it was. A, it was a very. It was an early about stage. How much I loved it. <laughs> and and I, I know. I'm sure. I, I hated that shit. It just. Did you really love it? I did at the time. Yeah. Um, oh, it was God, very gimmicky. Mark. I rewatched it like later on, and kind of was just like, eh. Kind of like the asylum match with uh, Jericho and Ambrose. Yeah, loved terrible, it. Terrible match. And then, <laughs> God, he's such a mark. I love it. I love it how much you like stuff. Uh, Two beer. What's the two count? Uh, Speaking of how much I like stuff, uh, let's talk about the main event on uh, this AEW Dynamite. What a goddamn match. Uh, We had um, the Will Ospreay Appreciation Society, Mm -hmm. otherwise known as uh, Mm -hmm. Aussie Aussie Open. No, 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 no. (laughs) Man, you ain't going to do that. You ain't going to do that. Man, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going to do that. It's more than Will Ospreay in that group, god damn it. <laughs> I know. They're really good wrestlers. Aussie Open rules. Um, I've seen a good amount of them. They're really good. You ain't uh, sure. But I couldn't, think, I couldn't think of United Empire's name for a second, so that's what I came up with. Um, but uh, they wrestled uh, Jeff Triangle, and man, we knew this was going to be good, and it was better. Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, I was listening to Wrestling Observer Radio this morning, and Melter said it was the best six man he's seen since uh, Young Bucks and Adam Cole faced Ricochet, Seidel, and uh, Osprey at PWG. So I rewatched that before the podcast, and man, it's like it's in that league. It's actually more polished in that match, and that match is like kind of a a um, it's almost like a parody of independent wrestling in and of itself. It's like so over the top, uh, which is what makes it great. But um, this match was awesome. It was like a half an hour long. So what mm-hmm. I did was I went back and I found the fight feed online because what I was watching was just, you know, American cable. So I was not able to. I was watching picture in picture, but that sucks. Like you end up like watching the Pizza Hut commercial. Dude, I, I say that all to. the time, man. I, I appreciate picture in picture, but I always catch myself watching the commercial versus watching yeah. the match itself because the commercial is is bigger, so it captures my attention more. Yeah, it's like thanks, but no thanks. Right. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's that I'd rather have it than not. But I was trying to pay attention to it, and, you know, you'd lose something because those guys were not 
stopping. They were not like, oh, we're in commercial. Let's do a chin lock or right. whatever. They were they were like still going balls to the wall. So I rewatched it today, another half an hour. So much better without the commercials. Uh, I mean, this was like, besides like high spot after high spot, just the selling, you know, everything about this, seeing Ray Phoenix and Will Ospreay, that was the first time I've ever seen them. I don't know if they've ever met up like singles or not. I don't, I think they said on commentary they hadn't, but I don't think just like have. initially, like Steve Patterson posted on Friends of BFR, there was a clip of just the initial spot, the opening spot was Osprey and Phoenix just going back and forth in uh, a very, you know, this is like something that Will Osprey excels at, which is that counter uh, wrestling, the the symmetry and the the counter wrestling, and it's why Shingo and him have such amazing matches, and why he and Ricochet you know, had so many amazing matches years ago. Uh, and, man, this really allowed everybody in the entire match to shine. You have some of the best wrestlers in the world. And, I mean, it was great. Like, I, I just can't say enough good things about this match and, and how it will hopefully get more people to checking out Will Ospreay and Off the Open because I'm sure that – you know, as Kenny Omega said after after the match ended, if you watch that video I posted, um, you know, no, nobody knows Will Ospreay. So uh, how could they know how great he is? But uh, I'm being facetious there. Uh, of course, we do and our, our audience does. But uh, there are plenty of people that are just getting introduced to these guys. And boy, oh boy, like Osprey's having just one of the best years of anybody in wrestling. He just had one of the best G1 finals in history. Last week, and then he went on and had a he dropped the title at Rev Pro, uh, which I, I didn't watch that one. And then he gets on American television and has one of the greatest six mans in wrestling history. Just, just bonkers, uh, insane. And I cannot wait. Uh, you know, Kenny and the Bucks come out afterward. They have a little exchange off the air. Definitely worth checking out on YouTube. Uh, they're building up the match. Next week is going to be even better. And we're leading to an Omega Osprey eventual match, uh, hopefully like Wrestle Kingdom, Tokyo Dome. But we'll see. Jason, you heard Zach just say that that was one of the greatest six-man matches of all time. Do you agree? I, I hate to go into hyperbole in, in situations oh, yeah, like we, that. We know that you do. Yeah. No, I, no I never. No, I don't. Anti-hyperbole. No, I don't do the. It's the greatest match or is the greatest six man okay do i have an opinion of course i do but you never you're always talking about your mount rushmore though okay but that's a mount rushmore that's totally different than you know the greatest saying that this is the match before greatest saying that this is the match of the year that to me is hyperbole the match of the tournament is that called the match of the year no no i'm just saying just i went in to check on the baby just making sure i didn't miss anything the first thing that i'll that I thought about it when, and this was like five or 10 minutes in, it was like, this is what I, this is why I wanted trios titles here because you have this kind of action and it's basically nonstop. It went 30 minutes, which was a little surprising because it went that long, but I mean, it wasn't like it was dragging at any point. All six guys had their spots. Kit Sabian comes back and attacks Pac. That's what I was ultimately waiting for to end up setting up the United Empire to go on to the win because, I mean, if you're going to have Kip Sabian around and you're going to keep doing it, you're going to keep doing it. The payoff has to be where he costs Pac at the most opportune time, which he did here. Um, Osprey versus Omega, I don't know if it, if it ever happens. If it does, I'm here for it. Hell, I'm here for Ray Phoenix versus Will Ospreay. That opening 
segment with those two interacting, Will Ospreay shouldn't be doing what he does at his size. And I'm not saying he's a huge dude by any stretch of the imagination. But to keep up with Ray Phoenix says a lot, okay? That's kudos to Will Ospreay. I guess the ultimate thing for me is I like Death Triangle. I kind of wanted them to go over, but as the match progressed and they more and more talked about Osprey versus Omega in the same ring and with beef on social media, it makes the most sense. No problem with it. Like I said, when Kip Sabian comes out to tack a Pac, I think that was another stroke of booking genius because now you connected the dots. It makes sense for him to come out week after week after week with this box on his head. Um, the match I thought was really, really good. And this should be a precursor of what's to come moving forward. These next, this next semifinal match, the two finals, and then the championship match, I think are all going to be interesting matches to watch. They're going to be 20, 25-minute, dare I say, banger-ass trio title matches. You know, this is the type of match that isn't for everybody. No. Um, this is a, a spot-heavy, no-selling uh, type of nonstop match. Wrestling can be a lot of different things, and this is one of the things it can be. Is it my favorite type of match? I don't know. Probably not. I think that that stuff at the beginning with Phoenix, I can't say Phoenix. I just can't say it. It just seems weird to say Phoenix. But with uh, Phoenix versus Osprey. Oh, you really worked it. Phoenix. Phoenix <laughs> versus Will Osprey. Hey, 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 at the beginning, say O O M O S. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to use Jason's parlance, that guy's been on the side of a milk cart. But um, to me, that stuff looks like Cirque du Soleil. And listen, I've never seen Cirque du Soleil live. I've seen it on PBS before, and it is impressive as shit. Now, Will Ospreay is probably making more money uh, doing – pro wrestling but he could make a he could be one of those guys it is very athletic it's almost like gym i mean it is gymnastics that's pretty much what it is i also am one of the hardcore apologists for gymnastics especially men's gymnastics in the olympics i love watching that shit those those dudes are the strongest motherfuckers the most athletic motherfuckers i just also think that will osprey is one of the best strikers that New Japan has, and I love watching them punch dudes. Also, you know that that I mean that that's very nitpicky. This match was incredible. I loved every bit of it. When I checked the time, when I thought that we were close to the end, there were still 16 minutes left in AEW Dynamite. I was like, holy shit! Like they're going to really go with these oh, guys. You going the whole 16, huh? Yeah, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. I was, I guess, I was rooting for Death Triangle. I guess. Uh, you know, in my heart of hearts, but I also want to see Osprey and Omega in a ring together. I think that Osprey and Omega are a very interesting case to compare each other to. Um, I'll, because they're both gaijin, they both have made their name pretty much in New Japan pro both wrestling. Started as junior heavies, turned both heavies. started as junior heavyweights, and they're both. I think Kenny Omega is around 38. I think Osprey's 29, which also makes sense because Omega really started making his headway in New Japan about 10 years ago, about 2012. 2011, 2012 is when he really started 
popping off, and they were like, oh, shit, we have something special here with this guy. I, I, that's all, all that is to say I love the match. I also have to tell on myself here, and I was watching it with the sound on, and then somebody called me at work, and I had to turn the sound off, and I was kind of watching it, and then Kip Sabian came in, and I was like, I have no idea who that is. I saw his face close up, and I... Well, he's I, totally di- he looks totally different than he did the last time you saw him on... He like almost looked like fucking Danhausen or something. <laughs> like, he looked like he was wearing fucking white makeup. looked like he was Tales of a Geisha or something. Like, I don't know. It look, he, <laughs> he had a lot of stuff on. I had no idea who he was. Anyway, I enjoyed it. No, I thought it was really good. And next week is going to fucking rule. rule. Yeah, ultimately, that, like Tubier said, the, the post-match with Kenny coming out... And Don Callis holding him back. That's another thing that I want to see moving forward, the Don Callis effect of what he is with the Bucks and Kenny. Also very happy that they didn't – also very happy that they started the match off with Will Ospreay versus Ray Phoenix because a lot of times Will Ospreay is clearly the star in Will Ospreay and Aussie Open, but – if you're gonna if you're gonna have Will Ospreay on American television and you want to introduce him to this whole group of people that don't really know him, give him as much time in the ring as possible, and they did a really good job of doing that. No, uh, plus those other two guys in Aussie Open are great. Yeah, I was gonna say my Lord and Savior, uh, my wrestling Lord and Savior, uh, high five time loves him some Mike Bailey. I think he's an amazing wrestler, but the only thing I had a problem, with, I still have a problem with, is that he has no character. That's why I would put a Will Ospreay in front of a speedball. Will Ospreay has character. Whether you like it or not, it's a totally different scenario. Oh but God. when he grabs the mic, you at least pay attention to what he's going to say. I mean, saying Will Ospreay has character is such an understatement. Uh, <laughs> I might I might actually say that Will Ospreay is the best current working wrestler just because not only is he phenomenal in the ring, he'll do any kind of match and be amazing at it, and he'll play any kind of character and be amazing at it and, like, actually genuinely evoke emotion out of you. Like... That G1 final, like, he's like a heel in New Japan, and he's going against Okada, and, like, people are rooting for him. I'm sure I wasn't alone in rooting for him, and he's crying as he leaves, he's leaving the ring as a heel, and I feel bad for him. I feel empathy for him because I felt like it was his time. You know, um, you know, he, 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 he did this match, uh, over in Europe with Mike Loco where he was just like, it was like a, you know, 1970s like babyface versus heel match just insane uh how good of a character that he is uh before jason got here i was just waiting for him to show up and i just turned on uh sammy zane broken skull sessions and the first 15 20 minutes is stone cold steve austin having sammy zane walk him through the johnny knoxville match and sammy zane talking about how proud he is of it and Steve Austin being like, you know, 15 years ago, I never would have appreciated a match like this. And Steve Austin, like, effusively talking about how great the Johnny Knoxville match was and how he got everybody to buy into the near falls. And I think that Will Ospreay could also do a Johnny Knoxville match and make it just as good as Sami Zayn did. And I only say that because it's fresh in my mind, but I'm telling you guys, if you guys go watch that Broken Skull Sessions, it is very, very, very good to watch Sami Zayn and Austin talk about the Johnny Knoxville match. Will Ospreay does have a good sense like a of delight. I can see that happening. Yeah, it's great. Uh, what What was next, uh, Zach? 
No, I mean, this kind of tends to be the way we, we go, so we'll just book in the show uh, because it started out with a, a great segment of <laughs> Dana Garcia and Chris Jericho kind of having a, a confrontation because Jericho interrupted Garcia's moment with Daniel Bryant, Brian Danielson after um, their match last week. And this was fantastic promos from Jericho, not surprising. Uh, Danielson's music hits. He comes out fantastic promo uh, from him as well. And Daniel or uh, Daniel Garcia did just as good a job as these two absolute veterans who are known for making great promos. And we already know that Daniel Garcia has chops in the ring, and the fact that he was able to hang with these guys in this segment shows that he has the potential that TK obviously thinks that he does by giving him all of this television time and working on building him as a new star, which is a, a brilliant move on TK's part. You know, is he a marquee dude right now? No, but this is laying the groundwork for him being a marquee dude. And it also lays the groundwork for a very marquee match. Like Jason was saying, if there were no AEW title match, you could run Jericho versus Danielson as the main event of a pay-per-view. No problem. So you're um, saying, uh, like, I'm not being funny. You're saying Marky, like, M-A-R-Q-U-I-S, not Marky, like, M-A-R-K-Y. Yes, yes, yes. Marky okay. is, yeah, in the French, like, okay. term of, like, a, right. a headline match. Either one kind of works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I thought all these guys did a really good job. Uh, you know, it complicates Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, most notably, uh, Dana Garcia and Jericho, you know, so it adds, you know, a level of, of complication, a level of conflict into their story. It builds a match, uh, you know, with between two very big stars at the same time. Uh, and it helps get Daniel Garcia over. Um, really, I, I just thought this was kind of the best, you know, it, it's a good example of what AEW does right when it actually does right when it doesn't doesn't get too cute doesn't get too complicated this is uh, a, a great balance i thought this was a great way to open the show i would i would give the segment an a um and the only reason i wouldn't give it an a plus is kind of nitpicky but it's because it kind of infantilized daniel garcia in the middle of those two he's like they're like, say you're a wrestler, say you're a sports entertainer. He's like, you're trying to make me decide right now. It's like he's yelling at his divorced parents or something, but that's neither here nor there. Before that last line, which was obviously fed to him, like somebody told him to say that. Before that last line, Daniel Garcia was tremendous in this segment. Jericho was tremendous in this segment because he wasn't over-the-top heel Jericho. He was kind of like that um, The Jericho... The Jericho that got cashed in on by Jack Swagger, the the, the short haired Jericho that wore the suit and everything, like he was way more subtle and not as much as much of a obnoxious heel, you know. Daniel Bryan, of course, fucking rules. Um, I like the idea of Daniel Bryan versus Jericho. I can't remember a Daniel Bryan versus Jericho match. I'm sure they've had. I matches. was thinking about that on the way over here. I was like, I, I know mean, I'm sure th they had a Raw match somewhere or yeah, something. It just it's never been a. I can't remember a program. Yeah, right. Um, but I'll tell you what. This segment made me feel pretty good about my statement last week that I think that Daniel Garcia is 
as good or if not better than all of the four pillars of AEW except for MJF. I was like, oh, this kid has... Listen, if you have a crowd chanting you're a wrestler as soon as you come out, you're over. You're you over, right man. Your, you, you got him right you, in your hand. Yeah, you got him right in your hand, and 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 that is that is the definition of over. For and sure, it was. It, I thought it was a great segment. When I was watching it, there was a point where there was a camera angle, and you had Garcia in the middle, and Danielson on one side, and Jericho on the other, and it felt like the devil and the angel. You know, fucking with him. You had Jericho's Give me that like poster. Yeah, you had yeah, Jericho's like, like you know, get, you know, say you're a sports entertainer. Say it, say it, and you know. Brian Dance is like, come on, man, you know, you know better than that. And it was literally like watching Daniel Garcia getting pulled apart by his mentor in Jericho, by his hero in Danielson, and you're watching him getting pulled apart. I didn't necessarily have a problem with the the final line where he's like, you know, I can't do this right now, you know, I gotta go off and, you know, decide, you know, by myself. That makes total sense. The way it was presented I wish you would have said I just wish you sorry to cut you off. I wish you would have said just you know what? Fuck both of you. Like, you know, like I'm a man. Fuck both of y'all. I'll be back. You know, and then have those guys go on. It's essentially what he said. It's just he didn't say it in the way that you would say it, or I would say it, or maybe Two Beer would say it. Whatever. The the fact of the matter is, he's not. You're not going to put me in this spot. Two Beer would have been like, "Come on, both of you. I'll just come on both <laughs> <Yeah>. of you." <laughs> I, I would have cried. Both. I love you both. Can't we just all get along? You know, it's the BBC fucking. Uh, JAS fucking faction at that point. Two beers, the fucking head man, at, uh, calling it like that. I didn't have a problem with it, man. I love Danny Garcia in this spot, man. I still think he's going to end up turning on Brian Danielson in the end. But for this moment, all three played their parts really well. Danny Garcia with as the tortured soul, Brian Danielson as the the baby face, the angel. And then Jericho, once again, is he doesn't have to do a lot, but every time he comes out, he delivers. And there's something to be said about that. Just imagine me uh, pushing my non-existent glasses up the bridge of my nose with my <laughs> index finger. Uh, I looked it up on cagematch.net, and um, they've wrestled one time, Daniel Bryan and Chris Jericho, and it was in Daniel Bryan's WWE debut on NXT. They got like five minutes. So. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a match to look forward to. This, and, I mean, all like Daniel Bryan matches are – you should look forward to every single big Bryan And they're talking about the Lionheart coming back again, so this is going to be a technical master class, as my man would say, across the pond. Very cool. That is um, – that's – This could be a main event if there is no AEW title Agreed. Match. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it was super cool, too, where uh, he was like – Jericho was like, they say you're the best in the world. He's like, I've been around with you. I've, I've never seen it. And, Danielson was just like, uh, oh, really? do you think he'd ask Stu Hart or yeah. Owen Hart? I was like, like okay, okay, yep, who they're fighting. Who do you think fighting. they're going to say? <laughs> I'm like, like, yeah, oh. they're fighting. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I thought it was Garcia. I apologize. My bad, everybody. He, he <laughs> ain't Sir lying. Chris Jericho. No. No. I'm not saying he's not lying, but when I've had to defend the Rock's status on my personal Mount Rushmore multiple times because Chris Jericho feels like he's nipping on the heels, if not overtaking him, and I just now don't want to admit to that. There's something to be said about it. This Chris Jericho run of 2022 with no titles, no nothing, being the stir that straws the drink has been really, really good. Uh, what, good. what was next, Zach? Um, so we had a notable... 
uh, notably good wrestling match. Um, it leads to some things, but you can argue whether or not these things are good. So it did build towards the pay-per-view, but I'm interested to see what you guys think about this. We had Dax Harwood versus Jay Lethal. As good as you would think it was. Just like a really, really good professional wrestling match. Uh, Jay Lethal picks up the pin, and then we had uh, Sanjay Duck come out. He's like, yeah, we said we're going to have a trios match with uh, FDR and Wardlow. We didn't say who uh, would be partnering with Jay Lethal. We just assumed it was Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt himself. But it's actually going to be Motor City Machine Gun, which Thank makes God. it a much better match. Um, it also is a couple dudes from Impact who are very, very good. I'm not taking anything away from Motor City Machine Guns. They absolutely rule. Um, but you have like this super loaded roster and you already own kind of two wrestling companies. Um, I know this makes it a better match, but there's a lot of dudes that are probably sitting on the sidelines and you have two talent like groups of FTR and Wardlow who should probably be in singles and tag matches respectively. Uh, if you know, we're talking pay-per-view like Wardlow should be defending his belt. FDR has all the belts. Uh, and then the acclaimed are over here getting a goddamn tag team title match, which I know the acclaimed are getting over. Uh, I'm not against them getting a title match, but pay-per-view seems kind of weird to not put, you know, your, your worst name tag team that is very good that has a title, uh, as in swerving his glory and against the best tag team, uh, in the world, kayfabe style that has all these belts. So. I don't know. Uh, what, what did you guys think of the match, and what do you guys think about the, the build to this, this pay-per-view setup? So I, I thought the match was good. For some reason, it seemed to me like Liesl got a little blown up at the end of the match. They were trying to do that thing where Dax Harwood kept putting pins on him and Jay Lethal kept kicking out, and there is no doubt that that has to be exhausting. But it looked like Harwood was slowing himself down because or it looked like Jay Lethal was slowing Dax Harwood down. down. That's what it looked like to me. Now, maybe I'm completely misinterpreting that. I just looked up their ages. Dax Harwood is less than one year older than Jay Lethal because I was like, man, is Jay Lethal six or seven years older than Dax Harwood? No, not the case. Harwood was born in 84. Lethal was born in 85. That being said, Makes total sense that Jay Lethal goes over. Jay Lethal is the singles wrestler. Dax Harwood is the tag wrestler. You know, if we're going to be smarky about things like that, that shit should count. I'm just glad that we don't have to see Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh in a trios match against FTR and Wardlow, and then it's going to be Jay Lethal with Alex Shelley and Chris Saban, the Motor City Machine Guns, who I fell in love with when I used to watch TNA Impact when they had the best of seven series with beer money, which was Bobby Roode and James Storm. And they had a best of seven series on like seven consecutive impacts. Maybe the last one was on a pay-per-view that I think it was the only impact pay-per-view that I actually bought. They used to be like 20 bucks. Yeah. I was about to say steel. Amazing, amazing tag team name, by the way, beer money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I uh, I'm when I saw Motor City Machine Guns, I said out loud, "I was like, oh fuck!" I was like, "Okay, cool." You know, this is not one of those things where Tony Khan is signing everybody. 
which we'll get to later. He obviously doesn't sign everybody. This is one of those things where he's got a lot of money to throw around and he wants to put on a good pay-per-view and he wants to keep shit fresh. And WWE is hot right now. AEW is not cold. AEW is still hot. I mean, we have still, and I know that we're, AEW marks at least Zach and I admit to it. Jason doesn't, but like it's, it's we, number three. But there is Jason, lot- Jason's in a twenty foot by twenty foot closet in regards to his <laughs> AEW fandom. He's heating up. That's really good. But th- this I'm in a glass case of this is, this is obviously a way more attractive match if you're going to plop down the fifty bucks to watch the pay per view. You'd rather see the Motor City Machine Guns in this match with FTR and Wardlow and Lethal than you would seeing Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt. I mean, that's just i mean, that's just a fact. Nobody, nobody would argue with that except for maybe Sanjay Dutt's mom. <laughs> I'm sure Sanjay Dutt's mom would be okay if Sanjay t- takes the night off. If there is a, a negative... Hey, Mrs. Dutt. <laughs> hey, girl. If there is a negative... Um, I guess spinoff from the trios tournament, trios titles. It's the lack that you don't have, I guess, normal, regular AEW tag teams in the mix. Uh, don't get me wrong. Motor City Machine Guns are the shit. Easily one of the top five tag teams in the world. I won't, I have no problem saying that. And you can name other four, but you're going to have to put the Motor City Machine Guns in this list. In this list, I guess my problem with it is, first and foremost, it kind of feels like a small indictment on the tag team division that you have to bring in the more shitty machine guns in. There's not another heel team that you can fit with uh, Jay Lethal to face um, Wardlow and FTR. Maybe it's an ROH um, angle that I'm not seeing. And then, you know, you have FTR. And the Motor City Machine Guns wrestle for the RH Tag Team titles. I get what you're saying with Swerve and the Acclaim. It feels like an underwhelming title match on both sides. I like the Acclaim. Well, especially when you consider what tag title matches have been on AEW pay-per-views thus far. This is underwhelming, to say the least. Probably the worst of the bunch. And... I don't even really think I have to look at the list. If I had to take a guess, it's probably the most underwhelming, like you said, off the jump. You don't have to look at the list. I'm sure I don't. Um, You don't. I'm probably not going to. You don't have to. (laughs) So I won't. Okay, good. Don't look (laughs) at it. Fine, I won't. Uh, (laughs) You can have the last word now. Um, I guess my point is, is that I don't like the fact that the Motor City Machine Guns in this spot I would rather have it in a, as a heel tag team, but the fact that you have the trios tie going on, and like Bill said, you could bring in a name tag team to make this thing work and have a really good match to itself. I get it. I just don't like it. Fair enough. Uh, Zach, what else? Um, I think we can skip over, like, the couple matches. You know, we already talked about the, the claim and the implications there, so we don't have to talk about Billy versus Colton. Um, I don't think we're really going to talk about the match for um, the women's match, Kylan King versus Britt Baker. I don't know if anybody has anything to say about it. Uh, but we well, do have I to mean, talk I about... think we got to talk about the reason why that match happened. One, um, well, it shouldn't say the reason why the match happened. It's basically happening 
because Thunder Rosa has to vacate the title. Yes, that was what I was getting to. So, okay. Uh, not, not vacating the title. She can't defend it, so there's going to be an interim champion. However you want to put yeah. that. Uh, that's obviously the way that TK wants to go with it. Okay. Yeah, and that's how they're running the company at large. So, right. I mean, it yeah. is kind of a, a bummer. I mean, we saw this back whenever Cody couldn't defend the title for just like three weeks. We I, had like I appreciate the consistency. Running around. Yeah, totally. That's how they want to do it. That's fine. I mean, that's how UFC does it. Pick totally a way. Cool. Pick a way to do it and stick, and stick to with it. it. Okay, that's what they're doing. Then I'll say this real quick, and then you can break down the Thunder Rosa shit. The re- only reason I don't like it in this scenario for the women's division is because it's basically Britt Baker and everybody else. They they haven't done a good enough job to work to to warrant a four way fatal four way for the title. It should be two women. Pick those two women and move on. Britt Baker shouldn't even be in this. Hell, Charlotte took a fucking few weeks off. He's probably just trying to get more people a payday. Probably make it get a little bit more eyes on people. Britt well, there's Baker that, and also Britt Baker's the biggest star. So uh, that is something that is to something to say. I, so I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Okay? Well, apparently there's actual heat that between the, Thunder Rosa uh, and Britt, Britt Baker's Baker, Jamie Hayter. Apparently. Thunder Rosa might have broken Jamie Hader's nose during a match, and after the match, Thunder Rosa hid in the bathroom because she was afraid that Jamie Hader actually wanted to fight her. This, I, I refuse to believe this rumor. Yeah, Thunder Rosa's an MMA fighter. That seems like very gossipy. Yes, it me. seems really gossipy, and it also seems kind of sexist. If I'm being honest, it seems like, ah, uh, well, the ladies, you know, the ladies here, dude, they the, the, the champion, she's hiding in the bathroom. It's like, that's, well, that seems like bullshit to me. A part of that spin off of that rumor is the fact that Thunder Rosa is apparently, quote unquote, not hurt. And they're trying to take the the title off her to give, you know, this backstage heat time to cool down. And if you have a problem with CM Punk trying to bury Hangman Page, then you should probably have a problem with Britt Baker coming out here burying her competition that she goes over, which is Kylie King, right afterwards. And then she kind of buries Thunder Rosa by saying, well, you know, every time I fought... I, I, I wrestled with a broken I, wrist. I was already... I had a broken freaking wrist. I, she does that thing that's Kurt Angle's thing, and it kind of... I kind of hate Britt Baker. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the thing. All right, so let me set this up so that we can get to the, the meat and potatoes, please. So, Thunder uh, Rosa not relinquishing, but she is not able to uh, defend the title. Whether this is Shawn Michaels or not, uh, whether this is uh, losing his smile, maybe Thunder Rosa lost her smile. I don't know. Uh, whether it's legit or not, but she's not going to be on this pay-per-view. Flip Baker was not scheduled to be on this pay-per-view. Uh, it was supposed to be Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa. They've been a tag team, kind of a built-in, natural um, a feud here, a natural match. And so we have, instead, we have Tony Storm, Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker, and Jamie Hayter in a four-way elimination match. Now, I know people or upset that Britt Baker is in this match. Um, I don't necessarily know why. She is their biggest star. It completely makes sense. Uh, Akara Shida, former champion, um, really carried the belt for a long time. I know where he's, he's a going. really good wrestler. I know where uh, he's going. Tony Storm was already going to be in the match. Jamie Hayter 
it just makes sense, right? She's she's had some wins. She's a good wrestler. Yep. Where I'm going is, yep. do we have Tony Storm win this title as she was likely going to to begin with? Because if Thunder Rosa does not have an injury, it means she did not want to drop the title right then. If she did have an injury, is convenient, but at the same time, so do we do we give it to Tony Storm? You take a chance on Tony, who's amazing, uh, and you kind of see where it goes, or do you go back to your pat hands because the women's division has gotten noticeably worse since Britt Baker has not had this title. That is like an objective fact. Do you go back to Britt Baker? I think that I got kind of I think I I think you guys kind of jumped on me a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago where I said that Thunder Rosa doesn't move the needle for me. Like she does she's not really like no, I agreed with you. Jason was upset though. The, her best promo was the one that she did last night, coughing up the title. Jason, did you know that's not where I thought Zach was going to go? Did you know where I thought Zach was going to go? I had an inkling, but he didn't go where I thought he was going to go either. So, what do you think I was going to say? Where did you guys think I was going? I thought you were going to say, "I thought wins and losses matter in this company. Why the fuck isn't Jade Cargill in this match? Why can't Jade Cargill go in there? Because there's two ways you can do it. You can have Jade Cargill That's come in there undefeated and win the belt, and then she holds the TBS and the women's belt, or you can hand her her first loss because it's a fatal four way. She doesn't have to get pinned, and she doesn't all, have to get yeah. She doesn't and, have to get pinned, and all three other women." can gang up on her, and you can make her look strong as fuck. Like, where the fuck is Jade Cargill in this women's division? You have this woman who is a star, statuesque, unbelievable. She looks like she's chiseled out of marble. Sorry if this is getting too horny for you guys, but she is fucking, (laughs) uh, she is unbelievable, and she is a star. She's a star. star. She's, She's a, a star. Big, bright, She's a big, star. bright, shining star. Why is she not in this match? Athena. They haven't. I guess this is my. Wins biggest. and losses matter, though. She's undefeated. I guess this is more of my bigger problem with this. The angle where we're going. Thunder Rosa, the whole shebang. It's an indictment on the women's division. I don't think it has much to do with Thunder Rosa not getting herself over is the fact that the division isn't getting over, okay? You got a pretty loaded fucking roster over here now at this point, okay? There's really no excuse. You got the talent, okay? At some point, we have to get away from the the Britt Baker reliance crutch. It's okay. You can always come back to Britt Baker. You know what they need to do, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but – WWE's women division doesn't Uh-oh. doesn't feel like it's suffering at all, and you know what? Every once in a while, you gotta open up a dynamite with a women's segment. Like it doesn't. It, like you can have Jamie Hader and Thunder uh, before she was hurt, or Jamie Hader and Tony Storm go out there and open up a dynamite when the crowd is red hot and they can light the crowd on fire for 13 minutes. But what what Tony Khan does is it starts at 7 o'clock central here. All the women's shit is between 8.15 and 8.45 every single week. And that is, that like, you've already watched all the, and you're like, okay, well, now you're just waiting for the main event. Like, you have to, 
teach your audience how to watch your product. And that that is not an indictment on the audience. That is just like if somebody is watching from week to week and they know that there's going to be these fucking lame matches that don't that seem like popcorn matches because they're happening before the main event segment, then your then your women's division is going to suffer. More so to kind of my point. God damn, that was a really good point. I haven't thought no. about it until right now when no, I said it. God damn, it's really... No. Hold on, let me give myself one. <laughs> He's hitting up. Thank and, you. And that makes all the sense in the world. So, I mean, like I said, it's not it's not Thunder Rosa's fault, at least in my opinion. It's no. how, they're wor- how they're working around her. What they're trying to do is not just multiple women. It's Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, and then everybody else. And Hikaru Shida having to come back, that's some bullshit too, okay? The best AEW women's champion in the world, please, give me a break. Give me, Jade, to, give me Jade. Give me Jade. She hasn't won the title yet. I, I know, but give her to me. She should be there. She should. She's undefeated. I'm not disagreeing the, with you. That. So the acclaimed okay, get to fight Swerving Gold? Two of you jump in on this. Jump in on this. I think all the women's champions have been really good except Thunder Rosa and Nyla Rose. Riho, Shida, Baker. Baker was the best. Um, Please. Can't hold a candle to Sheeta. Can't hold a candle to her. Wow. And I said it. Baker was the best at, like, I'm not talking about wrestling. I'm talking about, like, uh, just star power. Character. Uh, Charisma. I mean, it's Britt Baker, obviously. I'll give you that. In ring, it's Sheeta all day, twice on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt. Nobody's arguing with that. Sheeta and Riho. Riho Riho is like a, a tiny little Tanahashi. She's like... She will get you invested in every single match she has, even if she's with, like, the dirt worst opponent. Um, or if she's with, like, another baby face, she'll still get you rooting for her. Like, it's so great. Uh, Rio should be on AWTV much more often. If ring work counted so much, you'd have Bret Hart on your rush more and not The Rock. I got Bret Flair, oh. motherfucker. I'm not going to drop this mic because it was expensive. I got Ric Flair on this motherfucker. Back up. All right. What's next? That's it, man. Like, uh, like we have next week. We'll, we'll talk uh, a lot, but, uh, I mean, I don't think we need to dive into any more minutia. Well, we had a couple uh, segments that are building to like matches, uh, unless you want to talk about Ricky Starks. And I was going to say Ricky Starks had a really great baby face promo. Yeah, that it was got, good. Got me, got me hyped for his match with Powerhouse Hobbs, and I also want to say that Christian Cage had a great promo because it was so understated and he was just kind of seething, and that is uh, different than it's been lately. So, two really great promo segments that happened right after the, uh, right after the, the mock squash, the mock squash. Yeah, let's get to that three count. All right, the three count is the WWE main roster, and SmackDown and Raw were both very good this week. I I don't think that I am falling prey to the moment where I don't think I'm giving too much credit. Like I think that Raw was actually a cohesive television show that was three hours, but even the three hours didn't seem that bad, and I don't think that... SmackDown was bad at all. In fact, well, let's just start with the biggest story of the week, especially for smarks like us, and that is Johnny Gargano makes his triumphant return to WWE television. He has been on Raw before with DIY. I don't. He's never been on Raw before 
with as a singles competitor that I can think of. He comes out after a, well, let's see. It was after the Lashley AJ versus Ciampa and Miz match, and then there was like a social media vignette, and then Gargano comes out, cuts a promo. Gargano got, I, I can't tell how much, noise they were pumping into it it seemed like gargano got a pretty massive ovation and toronto was definitely the right place to bring him back because they are a smarky town he cuts a babyface promo and austin theory comes out they have history with the way i'm just gonna get this out of the way before i ask you guys <laughs> before i ask you he guys you saw he said the way twice right <laughs> i'm just gonna get this out of the way before i ask you guys your opinions but i will say this I'm glad he didn't bring up Ciampa because the way is more recent and because there's certainly plenty of time to mine that history with Ciampa. I'm glad they featured him prominently and didn't have him run in. I know there were people like, well, there could have been a better, a cooler way to introduce him. It's like, yeah, but they've been introducing these guys in all different ways, but they have not reintroduced a guy that just comes out and cuts a promo by himself. So I thought that that was special in terms of the new Hunter era. And I'll also say he has a real chance to take on that Brian Danielson, that Daniel Bryan, every man underdog slot that can fight anybody that can wrestle anybody and actually has a chance as a smaller guy to win the heavyweight belt. I was a big fan of this all the way around up into I even liked the Austin Theory coming out, and I liked them acknowledging the history between the two of them. Jason, I can no, tell no, you. No, I, no, no. I'll let two of your go first because this is his boy. I, I agree with basically everything you said. You know, I'll chime in later, but I'll want two beer to chime in first because he's the one that doesn't watch WWE that much, and now all of a sudden we're dragging him back in, and now his arguably his hero – Came back on WWE proper around nine o'clock Central Standard and Time. You really love stepping on Zach stuff. You, just, <laughs> you love stepping on Zach stuff. He's getting ready to talk about Gargano. He's getting ready to talk. Just let him talk. Let him do his own stuff. Two beer. Zach, how much did you love it? I know how big of a fan you are. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Zach, no. Zach what do you think of it? I, I do appreciate the, the graciousness of, of letting me go first. The, the recognition that Johnny Gargano is uh, is my boy. Uh, I love him. Uh, this might surprise some people. Um, besides the fact, like, the return, and, you know, obviously I'm going to be excited to see Johnny wrestling in a wrestling ring again. Uh, I was actually thrilled that, he did it WWE main roster, which, you know, obviously, you know, my character, um, the person I play on the podcast, uh, you know, would love him to be an AEW. But I think right now, AEW <laughs> That's a character. is top heavy. Yeah, it's not necessarily a parody. I'm just kind of joking around. I mean, like, all the, all the really offensive jokes I say, all in character. All the other opinions, like the milk toast opinions, that's just me. Uh, but um, yeah, so I, was I thought so this guy loved coming on shit. No shit. <laughs> Guess we didn't know you after all, huh? I always pull out. Uh, <laughs> so I like to see it happen. He's uh, got two kids. 
so uh, essentially, the uh, you know the return was great because I I was happy to see him return, but I think it is fantastic because Hunter being in charge, obviously, uh, Hunter is a Gargano guy. Uh, this gives, like Bill said, Gargano to be that dude that goes in there and gives you awesome matches and they treated him like a big deal his music hit the fans were just supposed to know who he was the fans did uh he gave a promo that harkened back to his history i think the only thing that was a little lame was like the accolades he did like the Miz thing where he's like i'm a three-time north american champion i'm a two-time and you know what i mean like that's just boring to me that, but that I is think, completely for the people that don't know who he is, though. Yeah, Bingo. but I was just saying, I think it's I think it's fair to do because there are a ton of people that were in that stadium that did not know who Johnny Gargano was. So uh, they're about to find out, though, and uh, I think it's cool. Um, I hope they don't necessarily just like feed him the theory. I don't think they will, uh, but if it is Gargano's job to put theory over, he's going to do it in a really good way. Uh, but you know, we might having like Johnny Gargano available for WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Like that's amazing. Uh, and it's so much cooler for him. He's getting main roster money now. Um, you know, he probably would have got a decent deal at AEW. We might've got some cool matches. Uh, but we also, we're also going to get Candice LeRae. We wanted to like, they treat, they treat him like such a big deal. Like you have to think he mentioned WrestleMania in the promo. You also have to think that, Cancel Ray, his wife, who is a also a tremendous wrestler in her own right, will no yep. doubt be there uh, eventually. And I, I'm telling you, man, I, I am hoping for. We've had an Owens Zayn WrestleMania match. I am hoping for a Gargano Champa WrestleMania match somewhere down the line, maybe for a title, U.S. title, Intercontinental title. That would be. Uh, house of horrors yeah whoa, house whoa, of horrors like whoa, a mag whoa. like a asylum. maggot match maggot whoa. match maybe like whoa. or maybe like maybe both a house of, of horrors asylum both maybe of them versus like johnny knoxville and chris pontius maybe like that would be cool <laughs> but uh champa versus gargano in a intercontinental or u.s title match is something that i would very much be looking forward to at a wrestlemania Gargano versus Volter right now for the Intercontinental title. Oh, oh we're gonna we're gonna get to Gunther his his match coming up because I was a big fan of that too. But what do you think about Gargano's return, Jason? You guys basically said everything I wanted to say. Just a couple of things that we didn't talk about um, when Theory came out. My knee jerk reaction was: Is this going to be Gargano's way to get the the briefcase off of him? I'm not saying it's going to oh. happen, but if you really, really oh, want to fast Oh, my God, this. that would be amazing. I love that fucking call. I didn't even think about that. That was the first thing I thought about. Oh. I love the fact that they – I love the – I agree with whoever said that the, the NXT you, WWE – Did you come up with that on your own? No. Well, yeah, actually, I did. I, I, it's on Twitter. I was like – as soon as he came out, I was like, man, I really would like to see them wrestle for the briefcase. And that I was, just left it at that. That would fucking be awesome. Okay, so you, you can legitimately have Gargano, if you wanted to have the pencil, take the briefcase off of Theory, and now Johnny Gargano looks 
more legitimate, especially to people like us that's watched this NXT run, and now all you need is the chance. The briefcase is the chance. So then at any point, you know, he can come in and take the title off of Roman Reigns, or if you switch the titles up like is rumored, you can take the title off the guy you want. Neither here nor there. That was the first thing I thought. The second thing I thought was the fact that, like I said, the NXT uh, WWE main roster, uh, you know, developmental roster is starting to have that connection. The fact that he came out with his old music was perfect because that's what I remember. I don't, I love Ciampa. With but the this, logo too, with the wink. Right. Is that supposed to be a wink? I'm guessing. Okay. I don't know. It does, ultimately, like I said, to me, that was like the pop where I was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, is this Johnny Gargano coming out? I, I had to peek my head around the corner because I was feeding the cats. I got, like, spoiled, oh, I got spoiled on Facebook, but I thought that he was going to come out during that Ciampa match. And then I was surprised right. when he came out just in a... His own solo His own segment, promo. yeah. Like you guys said, that to me leads. It was like when Cody came back after WrestleMania and they gave him his little promo afterwards. That leads me to believe that he is going to be something of substance. Whatever it is, I don't know. I never even thought about Ciampa until you guys said it right now. Those two, that's to me is the two biggest things. From that point, I want to see what happens. But Johnny Gargano being back on, the, well, not even, well, I guess he's back on the main roster, but I guess new and improved. This is the Triple H effect. He came back with Ciampa the first time as a tag team, and it was kind of like, oh, you know, they're getting ready to get squashed. Now he comes back. It's way more exciting, and the possibilities are endless. Okay, so there's actually a ton of stuff that I want to talk about in terms of Raw and SmackDown, and I'm glad that Zach watched them both. Um, so, listen, rapid fire, guys, I want you to know I'm not being rude. I just, we got to keep this moving if we're going to keep it under four hours. So, Trish Stratus comes back, Bailey comes out and confronts her. What do you think about that segment, Jason? Man. Was that Raw or SmackDown? That was Raw. That was Raw. Right? That was raw. Okay, was sorry. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with SmackDown. Sorry. So we had Ronda Rousey arrested. I don't care. We had no, Sonya Deville and Natty versus Toxic Attraction. I don't care. Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn feel like they should have their own buddy cop movie, though. <laughs> Dude, this was the best part. Like, Johnny Gargano, my favorite WWE wrestler, came back. This was the best part of SmackDown. <laughs> These guys, Sami Zayn is such a delight, and Roman Reigns is such a great straight man. Oh my god! Dude, there were so many, it so was many lines in here. Very that were just good, segment. absolutely perfect. And, oh my god, it was. And so good. both guys played their parts to perfection, including Reigns, who I didn't know could be funny. That was funny. He was the straight man. That was fucking hilarious. What'd you think, Jason? It it, it only adds about Roman Reigns' love for this run as the, the head of the table, whatever you want to call him. But this segment sets up the finale at the end where Sami Zayn, being the honorary ooze, and I'm using that in quotations, comes out and takes the bullet for um, Roman Reigns getting the Claymore <laughs> okay, Jay Uso in his head talking about you got to step up, Uso. And the next thing you know, he's taking the bullet for uh, the Quaymore kick the first time. I I thought that's where the segment was going to end, but then 
Drew McIntyre gets the Claymore on Roman Reigns, which I think is important because everybody in the in their world, unless you're just like a Drew McIntyre mark, thinks that Roman Reigns is going to win. You have to give people the doubt, the seed of doubt that at any given point, especially if it's one-on-one, and I think that was the biggest point of this, is that it was a one-on-one, Roman Reigns didn't look comfortable coming out. That's Okay, see, I know people don't like Roman Reigns, but this is a good segment to watch because he looked uncomfortable. Sammy played it all the way up to the ring. He's looking for the mic. The mic's not giving him the right way. He's looking for the Usos and Paul Heyman. They ain't there. Sammy Zayn, perfect. Sammy Zayn explaining to Roman Reigns that Jay was being a dick and then doing the impression of Jay Uso going, you got to step up, Us. You got to step up. And he goes, he just kept telling me to step up. Perfect. Um, so good. I will say I will agree with Jason 100. Um, percent I I think as a fan, I feel like Drew McIntyre could win this title at Cardiff. It's in the UK. Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Bing. There was nobody there but Michael Cole. Look at this guy giving away his predictions for next week. We got sponsors, dude. You can't oh, give away saying, your predictions like that. I'm not saying he's gonna. I'm just saying that the, the belief is there, just like they did it masterfully last week with Champa and and uh, uh, the almighty Bobby Lashley. Yep. He's literally called the almighty. He's not supposed to lose. Right. Uh, they made me believe that, that he Champa was getting ready to lose. <laughs> All right. There's going to be a couple segments that I skip here, but there's three more SmackDown segments that I just want your quick thoughts on. And I say quick thoughts, Jason. That's not a 600-word soliloquy. That's quick thoughts. I said, man. Maximum male models get shoved out of the ring by Hit Row, who do an impromptu rap show. It's an introduction to their new um, entrance theme, minus Swerve. It's an introduction to their characters? No, it's going to be their new intro music. Because I can tell what their characters are. See, you ain't shit. Uh, trying to get me to talk. No, I'm not the racist one. It's the guy. It's the writers. Uh, what you think about this, Zach? Uh, did not like it. I was not into um, either team. Uh, Hit Row has potential, uh, but I think they are missing something with Swerve. Potential. Be fab has potential. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, they they need to get this maximum male model thing. Uh, I, I don't like. I don't like it. Um, do it or don't. I don't know. Shit or get off the pot. Shit or get off the pot. No, it's good. Shit or get off the pot. What they do with Hit Row. Hit Row could be something, but I don't think they're going to be as much as they could be without Swerve. That's, that's, that's my ultimate thought. All right. Okay. Before we get to the Fatal Five way, I want to talk about, did you guys see this Carrying Cross vignette? Loved it. Perfect. It was perfect. I watched it three times. Perfect. When he was talking about Drew McIntyre, did you watch it, Zach? I did. When he's talking about Drew McIntyre, he's like, yeah, you were the chosen one, but they were wrong. And he's like, but they were wrong. It was like a Pantera song by the end of it. It fucking fucking ruled. And that is the guy that Triple H sees. That's the guy that Triple H wants to put in the main event. And after that vignette, after the last couple weeks on SmackDown, I want to see him versus Roman Reigns. I think Give it he, to me. I think you're going to get it to him versus Drew McIntyre first. Uh, Fine. I think that Drew somehow Drew because Drew McIntyre the, wins the titles in Cardiff. No, I think that I think he Kerry wins Cross, one of them. I think I don't know how they're going to st- do it. There you go. That's another question. Okay, I'll make it two parts. Number one, 
three parts. Number one, they should break up the titles at this point because now Triple H is in charge and he can do multiple things. Number two, Karrion Cross should be in either or title match scenario. And this, if it stays the same, this motherfucker right here is going to be a problem because number three, I think he cost Drew McIntyre the title in Cardiff. Can I give you guys an idea what I would do? It's Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, right? If Drew McIntyre gets Roman Reigns to submit, he gets both belts. If either one of them pins the other guy, they only get one belt. But if Roman Reigns submits Drew McIntyre, he keeps both belts. I think that's a way to make an exciting, interesting match where guys are going for submissions. Okay. But they're also going to, for pins at the same time, and you could split the belts apart that way. Okay, stop. hang on. Stop the tape. Right. So let's just say Roman Reigns just pins Drew McIntyre. What happens? He loses the belt. Wow. I would okay. also include countouts or DQs. You uh, lose both. I would, make, I, yeah. would, I would say you lose you lose one on a count, count out, out or a DQ. DQ. Now, how's that for some fancy booking, though, right? No, I just want to make sure. If that they did that, they could they could tell a story in the ring that's, like, really compelling where they're both trying to submit each other, but then – they get desperate, and they start trying to claymore each other and spear each other. I mean, I th- Roman can only go at five minutes at a time, so, like, he would, like, each so – it couldn't that, last very long. So, on that bullshit theory, I was going to say you should do a triple threat match where the first first fall is for the WWE Championship. The second fall is for the Universal Championship. So, if you wanted to break it up – What's the third fall for? No, I said it's a triple threat. Just two falls? Yeah, it's two falls. First fall is for one title. Oh, second man. fall is the I second like that. Title. Give us the pencil. That's good, too, dude. Either way, it could work. It's just uh, how you want to do it. All right. Either way, that carrying cross vignette was On incredible. Point. On point. That's the guy I wanted to see. Uh, and then finally, they had the fatal five-way. I don't need to talk about uh, Liv versus Shotzi. I don't need to talk about Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre just staring each other down. But the Fatal Five-Way, which was Madcap Moss, Happy Corbin, Sheamus, Ricochet, and Sami Zayn. Woo! 24 minutes. Sami Zayn. 24 minutes on SmackDown. A Fatal Five-Way that actually felt like a pay-per-view match. They gave that motherfucker away. What'd you say, Zach? They gave that motherfucker away. Oh, I said this match ruled. It, like, it Sami Zayn was such a baby face. And, you know, he did the whole injury angle and then come back out. And the way they worked it was absolutely perfect because everybody on TV and in attendance wanted Sami Zayn to win. But you put all the heat on Baron Corbin, who pulled him out of the ring after he did his finishing move. And you had the match won. You put all the heat on Corbin. And then you pin Corbin so that you still get the fans to cheer, even though Sami Zayn didn't win. Sheamus pinned Corbin, who fucked uh, Sami Zayn over, he still gets a cheer, even though people wanted to boo because Sami Zayn didn't win. And but they still got the guys. That, but Sheamus got know, all four other competitors and did that thing where he straps them over the and does the, the one, two, yeah. and he gives them the ten. He gave Ricochet 17 and just threw him <laughs> off, which is funny. Nah, ain't that damn funny, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this, though. Sami Zayn was incredible in this. Baron oh, Corbin was incredible in this. Sheamus, this is the most fun I've had watching Sheamus in a long time. He was having fun in the ring, and it it came across. I'll say this. 
I said it, um, especially with Triple H, with the creative control. If you're going to really elevate the mid-card titles, you you can't just do heel versus face all the fucking time. This is probably the one time you can do Sheamus as a baby face because he'll go over to Cardiff and, and be the, the baby face. They're not the biggest fans of Ireland, though, either, but they like his, they like him more than America. Right. Yeah. So in the, well in this case you know you got Our, in this case Germany Austria. yeah Austria I'm sorry yeah. um, he's not one of us he's he's, he's, yeah, he's an Austrian he's definitely not one of mine I think you know in this case it can work and then moving forward you're gonna have to have other competitors that are heels go after the heel champions at some point. That's what I love about the Kyrian Cross thing. It's not just Roman Reigns. It's fucking, it's not just Drew McIntyre. It's Roman Reigns too. You guys are both the chosen ones. You were chosen for different reasons, but you're both the chosen ones. You're both on to fucking target and being marked. Zach, uh, thinking about the upcoming pay-per-view match between Walter and Sheamus. You can call him Gunther. I still call him Walter. I just actually it was opposite, but go ahead. No, I call him Walter. It's Walter versus Sheamus. Now we have seen since we've been doing this podcast, which is about five years, we have seen Walter fight some unbelievable matches. Tyler Bate, uh, Dragunov. How do you see this match between Sheamus and Walter going? <laughs> uh, I think Big E could describe it best. Oh yeah, yes he could. What does Big E say? Two two meaty men slapping meat. Oh my God, they are going to hurt each other. It is going. Seamus be... is so fair skinned. His chest is going to be so blistered. Seamus also seems like a legit tough guy, though. Oh yeah, totally. So, and Walter is obviously a legit tough guy. Uh, Jason, you were pissing, but Zach said <laughs> it, it was going to be it was going to be big, big beating men slapping, slapping meat. meat. Yes. Yeah, uh, Sheamus is one of the stiffest in, in in all wrestling. I mean, people come back and say how hard Sheamus hits, and now you have Walter, who is didn't know how bad I wanted this match until, until I happened. thought of it, I and then like, I was like, "Wow, fuck yeah, okay. give me this." I don't care who's the baby face at this point. Roll this ball out. Put the Intercontinental Championship on the line. Let's just see what happens. This is the Triple H effect because Vince would have never thought about this there, in a trillion years. I just want to say in closing that five-way match, if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. It is – it's Sammy guys Zane. it's it's guys doing their shit. Like, it's way fun. Uh, Trish also, Trapp- I feel bad uh- – Johnny Gargano return was not on SmackDown. It was on Raw. So I, was, right. I wasn't going to say anything. I hope I hope the listeners don't. I hope the li- they're done listening at this point. Like we're we're an hour into it. Um, <laughs> you, so we you'd be surprised. Trish uh, Trish Stratus comes out uh, looking fine, and uh, Bailey and her team. They really need a name for these girls because it's not going to seem like a legit deal until they until have, you a have a name now. Corey Graves, Chris the Cole. Dish was really upset uh, because Bailey had lied about her educational history. That's and, right. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Zach, Zach's Bill and I are going to do an upcoming podcast on the rehearsal. Yeah, we're going to do a we're going to do a podcast about the entire rehearsal <laughs> once Zach finishes it. Zach is on it. Uh, it. It was a fine segment. I mean, Bailey doesn't really say anything as a heel, and I I really like if you're a faction, I need to know what. Do you guys have a purpose? What's your purpose? Tell me, you want to dominate the women's division? Tell me, you want to overrun? WWE, tell me you just want to shut this one person up or something like that. Just give me a mission for a faction and also give me a name. Corey Graves called them the Disruptors twice, which eh, I, I thought eh. was, I mean, it's better than nothing. Eh, I'll uh, go with nothing for 100, Alex. Then we had Dolph Ziggler versus Finn Balor, which could be a, uh, that could have been a pay-per-view pay-per-view match in another era probably not now but it Still went, good match. It, it went about 12 minutes very fun match what you think zach yeah i mean it was it was solid like uh not my favorite match on the show uh that is reserved oh, for that's saying something uh, isn't it which which says a lot but yeah. i think a part of this is Dolph Ziggler keeps bringing up Austin Theory so in some form or fashion we're getting a Austin Theory Dolph Ziggler, tell me some long term stories, story then, guys. Okay, that's so what I'm here for. Whether it's the fact that Austin Theory turns Dolph Ziggler back into the heel, and then Dolph is going to be like his manager, or they're a tag team, or something. Dolph and Austin Theory going to be around for a little bit. Yeah, uh, and I mean this is a like super solid match, and that's like kind of been pretty phenomenal. Lately, I know I haven't watched a ton of Raw and SmackDown, but like I've really enjoyed the wrestling matches. Like, I mean, this was a good wrestling match, and it wasn't even the best one on the show. And it had a clean finish, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Balor went over clean. Now there was a little bit of fuckery with Rhea Ripley, but I mean, uh, he was posted posted the fact. I texted I texted Bill about Rhea Ripley. I was like, I am definitely not. Like a sub, uh, but like <laughs> Rhea Ripley is like the ultimate like I will be mommy dummy. Oh my I will be god! Your I'm sorry. Throw I'm sorry. Around. I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot to respond to that. But then you sent me that thing about the rehearsal, and it really made me forget about it because all I wanted to do was talk about the rehearsal. But um, Dude, but like Rhea Ripley's outfit made me feel feelings I didn't know I had, and I'm a 37 year old man who man. watches a lot of internet. Dude, that, that I didn't know I was. Honestly, Zach, that could be COVID. Um, so, uh, Chad, Chad, Chad Gable, Chad Gable comes out, and cuts a promo with uh, Otis. Oh, sorry, Otas uh, standing next to him, and then uh, here's how you really know that the Vince McMahon era is done is because no twenty four seven title. Nope. Well, that's that's huge, but. <laughs> Vince always had people lose in their hometown and they did a SmackDown and a Raw in Canada and Sami Zayn even though he didn't win on Friday night he didn't get pinned he didn't get pinned and he was also the star of the show for sure and Kevin Owens as a heel Whew. American Academy comes out there start talking a whole bunch of shit nobody in Canada's got anything and Kevin Owens comes out and just whoops ass and I'll tell you what if there's one thing I really like watching in pro wrestling it's Kevin Owens whoop ass uh Zach what you think about this segment yeah this was the best 
match. Uh, even though uh, my boy Ko got jumped on his head a lot, um, this was this was awesome. This was the second second week in a row that Kevin Owens had awesome matches on Raw. The first week was Drew McIntyre, which was like a pay per view level match that ended, you know, with a you know a shitty finish. But they're not going to beat either one of those guys right now. So I kind of get it. That's just how WWE does it. I wasn't mad. They gave me. An almost twenty minutes amazing match. I don't care if the Usos marine in. It's fine. Uh it was WWE. But then yeah, KO and Gable again. And Gable's a guy who was getting something under Vince because he managed to find this character that Vince found funny. And uh I think we're gonna see a lot more Chad Gable uh, like, under the Triple H regime. I always made the joke about why would you have Jason Jordan be Kurt Angle's illegitimate son when Chad Gable looks exactly like him and is white, <laughs> you know? But really he gives off strong Kurt Angle vibes. For with sure. with the shoosh and the okay or, and uh, uh thank you. Uh, like he's that is an Olympic athlete number one, so that's the obvious connection, but Dude, the, I could watch him put him and Kevin Owens in the G one. Put him in the G one. Okay, God damn, you want to see slow, Kevin Owens versus Ishii? Slow down now. Slow Whew. down. Slow down. Let's 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 get through this twenty twenty two. I've never season. even thought about this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He's going off the rails. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you, I, I got made fun of with good reason last couple beefers or the last beefers because I said that Chad Gable was the most underused guy two years in a row. But man, that guy can go. And he looked awesome with, with Kevin Owens. And in an impromptu match. I thought that was the best well, match. Impromptu, of, that that was kayfabe, you know. Like it wasn't really impromptu. They knew they were gonna. Yeah. Okay. Why not? All right. Just All do right. your thing. All right. I thought this was the best match of the the night. It it just it, it reinforces everything, and more so that how KO is going to be used moving forward. All right. Two two more things. This one's gonna have a little sidebar, but Dexter Loomis makes his appearance. <laughs> his appearance known are his. His presence felt, I should say, at Raw again during the Lashley AJ versus Ciampa and Miz match. Loomis, we didn't know who he was going after. And they've been telling the story for about four weeks, which is fucking fun, man. They never they they haven't done this shit in forever. You know, like this is an actual angle. Yeah. Got your ass. And Loomis <laughs> finally like you didn't know was he a face? Was he a heel? Was he going for AJ? Nah, he was going for Miz. He drags Miz back. Loomis is a baby face, shows up the next night on NXT, (laughs) shows up the next night on NXT during Indy Hartwell's promo after she lost, and they do the Dexter Loomis crawl to each other in the middle of the ring, give each other a kiss, he walks her outside, he kisses her, he walks through the doors to the exit, puts his hands behind his head, and gets arrested immediately for what you can only assume is breaking into Raw week after week after week. Now, guys, this is story. I thought it was child porn. This is storytelling. (laughs) (laughs) This is he jumped he my what? joke, man. I had I was finishing the joke and he jumped it. <laughs> uh, sorry, what? Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. You get, you You're funnier than me anyway. What do you think about this, Zach? Uh, yeah, I mean the the Dexter Loomis stuff is not for me, but I wasn't. I'm on record as not being a huge fan of the Dexter Loomis character outside of Index. So I am kind of glad that they they brought that back. 
uh, on NXT, which I did not watch. I like the consistency uh, but, of it, though. Like, they didn't ignore it. They were like, oh, no, this, yeah, is something, no, this is something that existed, and now he's back in WWE. And even though he was on Raw last night, he came to NXT to give his girl a kiss. And then, a, and before then you get got arrested. arrested. Yeah. That's what you're supposed yep, no, to do. I'll That's agree what you're there. supposed to do. That's great. That's Baby a great girl, story. I'm getting ready to get arrested. Give me a kiss. I'll see you in a few months. <laughs> or I'll see you in that conjugal trailer. Whichever. That's what. Dude, he's white. He's 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 already out. Okay, look. <laughs> All he did was break into a couple of raws. <laughs> conjugal trailer, my they're ass. Let that motherfucker be black. He in some savings bonds for his. His bail. They're not holding him in there like he's Scott Peterson. Let <laughs> Dexter Loomis be black and just all of a sudden just choke out Miz. Give me a break. I'll see you in a few months, if not a few years. Uh, so you got Miz napped. <laughs> okay, so then the last thing that we're going to talk about is the Judgment Day shit. Um, Zach, I'm not going to talk Miz about what you and That's I talk great. about via text about Judgment Day because that we're just not going to talk about it. I'll tell Jason off air, but we... You guys talk without me? Yeah, well, we're family. Stunned. We're white. Mm. Like, Mm. sometimes you just need somewhere to just let it out that you think that do the right thing is overrated. (laughs) 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 Uh, But it was Judgment Day. We had Edge versus Damian Priest in a very long match at the end of Raw. I mean, this was a 20-minute match between Edge and Damian Priest. It ends with Edge goes over. Judgment Day comes down, then Beth Phoenix comes out. Looks like we're leading towards some some kind of mixed tag match. I hope it's not a mixed tag match. I'd rather see Rhea Ripley versus Beth Phoenix one-on-one and Edge versus Finn Balor one-on-one. Jason, what do you think? You stole my thunder. I don't want to see a mixed tag match. We already did it. We've done it in the last two or three years. Not a big fan. One-on-one matches, I'm all for it. Two beer. I really liked this match. Uh, I thought Edge uh, and Damian Priest did a really good job. I, I only watched the Hulu versions of this. Like, I'm not going to say I'm such a masochist that I'll watch three hours of Raw, even if it is improved. It's okay. It's a lot of my time. Come on over. It takes me like an hour Come and ten over. minutes. I just I have it on DVR, and I just fast-forward through all the shit I don't want to watch. Well, that's, that's kind of what, like, the Hulu version <laughs> Yes, exactly. the work for no. me. Yeah, and don't, I, don't I feel any shame the, here, Zach. Yeah, I pay for the no commercials version, so it's really an hour and a half. Uh, and SmackDown's oh, an hour and a half. Humble brag. Okay. You <laughs> pay know. for it, huh? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I work too hard. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, this was a solid main event. It was a super solid main event, and uh, you know, uh, I I understand where Jason's coming from with the mixed tag thing, uh, but um, yeah, like there's only so many kind of variety sure of match it. we can have before they move on. Right, I'm um, sure we're going to get it. It's just I'd rather not see it. I think there's. Especially now. I'll tell, I'll tell you what, if you were at that show and they closed with a 22-minute match between Edge and Damian Priest, you'd be pretty happy about your ticket. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, not, totally. You did yeah. not get swerved on this nope. one. You got your no. money's worth. You got your money. Especially because I've been to Toronto. They have great public transport. You don't have to leave early for parking. You just leave and you just go. You don't even have to like go above ground. You just go into the tunnel and, and hit the subway. And 
your home. I was Great. in Toronto when I was 15 years old, and I peeked through. I was walking around downtown with my older cousin who was 20, and I thought he was the coolest guy. He was giving me Marlboro ultralights, and we peeked through the windows at this one place, and there was a live sex show, and there were people fucking. That's what's up. Nice. I, 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 I like really Toronto cool. more and more. <laughs> it, was really, it, was, it was really cool, guys. That's on my list. Anyway, that's going to do it for our three count. Just me and cousin Chris just watching people fucking. Nothing weird about that <laughs> at all. He's feeding me cigarettes. He's feeding me cigarettes. We're staying in the so- same hotel. You guys ever seen the movie Sleepers? No. Raw dog. No. I'm not going to let Zach's joke go away. Trigger warning. Monday night raw dog. That's just funny. So I, I just, I just have a few odds and ends. I know that you guys didn't watch NXT. But they are going to unify the NXT US belt and the NXT UK belt, and it's going to be NXT This is newsworthy. Europe. It is, and it's going to be Braun Breaker versus Tyler Bate. Okay. Um, Tyler, okay. Tyler Bate came out and cut a very respectable, uh, very respectful, I should say, babyface promo on Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker did not turn heel on him. It seemed pretty cool. God damn, they showed some highlights from Tyler Bate, and it's like, oh, uh, Ty- how good he ah, is. Tyler Bate fucking rules. So, this is happening next weekend. So, who do we think is going to win? Uh, For me, I think if you were, I'm not saying that this is what I think is going to happen, but if it was me and I had the pencil um, or the power, I would just say Tyler Bate comes to the main roster because he has way more experience. Von Breaker looks stronger by unifying the belts, and he still gets to stay down and run through some guys and get some TV time before you move him up. You can move him up at the Royal Rumble next year or whatever, but Tyler Bates ready. He's been ready. I think the exact opposite way. Really? Yeah, I think that Braun Breaker's ready. Like, Tyler Bates is the type of guy that you want to anchor your work rate show. It's not Braun Breaker. Is, 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 the, uh, is, is NXT going to be the work rate show? I, I guess there's I, the question. I don't know, but everything's going to be work, work rate show compared to Raw and SmackDown. And that's not because SmackDown and Raw are still bad because they've been good for the last month. That's just saying you're not going to do 30 minutes on Raw. Well, maybe they will. I don't know. But I, I'd rather – I think that Braun Breaker is ready for the big time. I think that he's a phenom. I'm so cool. I'm so glad that the Undertaker entered the chat. No, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I'm so glad that there's never been a wrestler with a nickname the Phenom. I think she I just is. came up with that for she Braun Breaker. It's pretty good, right? You she call him the Phenom, right? She, like you said. What do you the Undertaker think? What do you think, Jason? The Nature Boy Braun Breaker. <laughs> I've always said that That's Braun Breaker so should be. Stupid. <laughs> I think all. I've always said that Braun Breaker should be the guy. Well, I should say the guy. If there was, if Seth Rollins wasn't around, Braun Breaker should be the guy that should beat Roman Reigns to have the undisputed championship. Because that way, you can do two things at once. You can get him over. You can get the title off Roman. Everybody gets. Everybody walks away clean. In this scenario, I really like Tyler Bate to have the. The title at this point, I don't necessarily think that Braun Breaker should come in and come to the main roster and and act a fool. 
But I like Tyler Bate a lot. I think he's – I don't think you go wrong either way. If you really wanted to push somebody right now, if you needed somebody right now, it's Tyler Bates should lose and then he goes to the end. I'm going to say something roster. that might sound controversial, okay? Uh-oh. But I I, th- I, think that I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Now, you just got me high, so this is high thinking. But trust me. Yeah, you just got me high, dude. You bad influence. <laughs> there's what a I'm good saying thing there's a gun around here. Is that Braun Breaker might be – no, Braun Breaker is the most fully formed professional wrestler we've seen since Kurt Angle. Now, I watch NXT every week, and I see Braun Breaker's matches. I've seen his matches versus guys that are worse than him and guys that have been doing it longer than him. Braun Breaker is a fully formed professional wrestler. It might seem a little derivative to people our age because we knew what his dad and his uncle were like. But even if he's doing an impression of them, it's just enough his to where it is kind of astounding to watch. He's a genetic freak. (laughs) 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 He's heating up. I don't know. I'll just, I I like the fact that I like your idea better. I like Braun Breaker holding the unified title. Tiger Bay going up, name or not, if you don't know him, Triple H will let you know who he is. You can have him cross paths with Gunter. Go from there. Okay, a couple other things I'd like to talk about because the main event just pissed me off because they had Bate versus Von Wagner as the next to last match, and then they had Wendy Chu versus Tiffany Stratton as the okay, main so event, you, and that is you know you inexcusable. Go, you know inexcusable. you're going with motherfuckers we don't know, right? Zach knows him. Uh, <laughs> we just got it back to fucking raw proper. I don't even have to talk about Apollo Cruz and Grayson Waller. It was really good. But we did have uh, the Dyad, who are now called the Schism, versus Legado del Fantasmo, the two guys that aren't Santos Escobar. And, <laughs> and after they lost the match, well, okay. listen, Jason, after they lost the match, listen, after they lost the match, they went out to the parking lot and they were bitching, and Santo Escobar comes around in I'm his sorry. SUV and he's like get you know, in I ain't gonna leave you. He's like I'm not going to leave you. We're going we're going everybody's places. Go, everybody's which going means to they're going to be on SmackDown. Here's my question to get you. Get the car losers, we're getting tacos. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up with Zach number 1. Number 2, can you name the other two guys that are Logado El Fantasma? Uh Walking Wild and Raul Mendoza. Look at you. Is that the two guys? You Is that are, right? Yeah, you are correct. I was going to say DJZ. <laughs> One of them was Zima Eon. That was... Um... Raul Mendoza. No, no, no. Walking the other wild. one. Yeah. Hey. Oh, really? Hey, yeah. come on. No, I, I, I have to give you credit because these are the questions that, God forbid, if we can't figure out who Matt and, Jack, Matt and Nick Jackson are, we got to know if you can figure oh, out... Oh, I can tell Mexicans <laughs> apart. <laughs> You talk about Pedro and Joaquin? Oh shit! Oh yeah, no, I, I know those them. Guys. <laughs> you ain't shit. You talk about Esse and Pablo. Who's the guy that's watching this again tonight? Okay, and then the last thing I want to talk about. Oh, was this women's match, which is Mandy Rose versus uh, Mako Sakamura? 
Oh, Lord. Who is a legend, apparently. I've heard of her a couple times. <laughs> and then Blair Davenport comes out. Is Mandy Rose going to the main roster? Um, totally. Yeah. With You have two people there that can carry those belts. Like, yeah. Either or. Either, either one of them. Yeah. Would Okay, here's another question, Zach. Would you watch Mandy Rose read the phone book? Um, only if it was my name over and over. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dog. <laughs> this is banned from ringside. Hey everybody, we have some birthdays this week. Not a big birthday week. Crash Holly. Okay, I'm going to ask you this. I guess he's alive? Yeah, Crash Holly's alive and okay. Great Kali is alive. What do you think the year difference is between Crash Holly and Great Kali? Or cra- eight years, Crash eight years. Ka- oh, they missed out on Crash Kali. <laughs> uh, Crash, <laughs> uh, Crash Holly is 51 this week. Great Kali. That was a Cash Kali. <laughs> great Kali is 50. Uh, ah, great Kali's young. The great, the great, the legendary Sergeant Slaughter is 74 this week. Still ha- alive, baby. Happy birthday. Oh, yeah, he fucking rules. Uh, Jeff Hardy, hope you're doing well. You are 45 this week. Mickey James. Don't celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> you still bother? I, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just like Jeff Hardy. So many jokes, so little time. I mean, that is the funniest joke you can come up with. Though. <laughs> like, go celebrate. Uh, Mickey James is she would have been. What the fuck? <laughs> Mickey James would have been the grade ahead of me. I'm the class of '98. She would have been class '97. Mickey James, I wish I would have met you in high school. He would have been the bus boy, and she would have been the server. Oh. But oh. Uh, no, no, no! I'm the bus boy. Go back I'm the bus boy. The hey, I'm Mickey the James, let's go into my four Ford F one fifty. I got magic <laughs> hands. And Ember Moon is thirty four this week. I'm the bus boy. I I get to have sex with Mickey James. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody. We know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast for... She's listening to all this. Bo Geesman for Tender Mahal for From Dust Till Dawn, the wrestling show. Double check. October 22nd. Lucha Chris for Murray the Murray Man Murray for Patriot Pat for... Reba the dog. Check. For Two Beers, Zach Pullman. For Jason Cornelius Bell. Everybody... Support your local weed dealers. Check. Support your local restaurants. Double check. Black Lives Matter Triple and check. Boo the Heels on Bill Veggie. Boo!